Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their stories with the world so that in their shining, they give permission for others to shine as well. I'm excited today to have someone I actually do know on the show, um, Julie Savarino of Business Development, Inc. Welcome, Julie. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate you having me. Sure, sure. So um, you've been rocking it out there on social media. I know that you are no, um, you're not shy and you're no stranger to the stage either. So Julie's a, a great public speaker and she is also, whether she realizes it or not, burning it up on social media with some really great content. So check her out on LinkedIn. Um, let us, you know, learn a little bit more about you, Julie. Tell, tell people about yourself. Well, thank you again, Susan. I really have to first quickly say how honored I am to be included in this group of really just incredibly outstanding women who you interview. So I really can't thank you enough for that. Um, in terms of me, I mean, the one thing everyone needs to know about me is I both professionally and personally, I live to serve others. Professionally, for over 30 years, I've, I've worked with many of the world's leading lawyers and law firms and accountants and other professional service providers, and I help them be more successful and make more money. For example, recently, a major buyer of outside legal services sent a request for proposal or an RFP to over a dozen major law firms, including the one that I was working for. I was able to help that firm win that business, which amounts to about $4 million in outside legal work each and every year. In fact, that client called me a, a secret weapon because of the integral role I played in organizing and preparing the RFP response, attending the pitch, and following up upon it. So in terms of what I do, that's what I do. In education, I have an MBA in finance and marketing as well as I am a licensed lawyer. Nice. Very nice that you bring all that great client-centric perspective to the table. Um, and I know Thanks. from a lawyer's point of view, they love to see the JD behind the name of anyone involved in their marketing and business development efforts. So let me ask you this. Um, what along this journey has been perhaps your proudest professional accomplishment? Okay, professionally, well, professionally, I'll quote my beloved mother. My beloved mother is a humanitarian. She does a lot of community involvement and she regularly meets lawyers and she'll say to them, you need to meet my daughter, Julie. She makes lawyers richer. So, you know, that's what I accomplish in my professional life. But I have to tell you that the thing I'm by far most proud of are the results of my pro bono work, which really are an extension of my professional work. And I, the, the example is the integral involvement I played in helping to protect the sanctity of military funerals in the United States. I, I worked relentlessly and completely behind the scenes and did it all on a pro bono basis. I'm not sure if you recall, there was a U.S. Supreme Court case named Snyder versus Phelps. That case was filed by a father whose son was a U.S. Marine. The Marine, his name was Matthew Snyder, was killed while serving in Iraq. I get choked up even talking about it. The defendant was the Westboro Baptist Church who picketed Matthew's funeral in a vial disrespectful and repulsive manner. I'm sorry, I'm starting to cry when I talk about it. Um, 
I volunteered to help the lead lawyer on the case and the plaintiff who was the father of the deceased Marine. Over four years, I donated thousands of hours to this effort and cause. Uh, we lost in, in the U.S. Supreme Court on First Amendment's grounds, which was not surprising. But I worked very, very hard with the U.S. Congress and Senate to get a new law written that protects military funerals, which was passed and that pr President Barack Obama signed in 2012. So I have to tell you the thing I'm by far the most proud of is my small efforts to help the military families to protect the sanctity of the funerals when they lose a loved one. And I'm absolutely honored to have been able to do that. Really and bad. as you know, also, pro, another pro bono thing that I've been working on lately well, wait, is- Wait, 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 Before oh. we go to the next one, let's talk about that because that is so beautiful how you spend your time, attention, talent, skills, you know, um, hands on, you know, roll up your sleeves. That That is such a beautiful cause and what you did. And I think every one of my listeners knows that I am not a fan of Westboro Baptist or anyone who's uh, bigoted or hides behind, you know, hate is not holy and they hide behind the Bible to hate others. And I, and I'm also military. So I just thank you so much for that. So I didn't want to move to the next great thing without saying thank you. Thank you for uh, putting your head and your heart into something so very important. Well, I have to say, I, for you to thank me makes makes me sad because your 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 husband, you your family is what makes this country great, and it also is what allows me to even do anything every day is the safety that our military provides us. And so, I have to just thank you and your family, Susan. Well, thanks, thank you, Julie. Um, it's 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 a strange landscape these days. I'll just say, even for military families, it's like um, you know that's a whole nother conversation to be had another day. But thank you for that. That's wonderful that you did that pro bono. And I know that you're worth every penny you charge. The value that you bring to the table is just way beyond the cost of your services. So the fact that you also do pro bono is incredible. So tell us about your next big pro bono project, because I kind of know a little bit about it, um, but let's tell the rest of the listeners. Well, thank you, because thank you for giving me the platform, Susan. You've been, you were right on board from the very first, and what it is is that in our legal profession, unfortunately, the surveys, the main surveys of diversity and inclusion do not include everybody. They only count the diversity of the practicing lawyers. So this pro bono effort I'm sort of heading, although many are involved, is to encourage these major surveyors of diversity in the legal profession to include their entire workforce in their diversity counts, and also to encourage them to start tracking whether or not the law firms and providers have supplier diversity programs in place, which is, again, not currently done. So that's in process, and it's, and it's been quite exciting because several of the major surveyors are already come to me and said they're thinking about doing this. It's going to take a little time to change the surveys, et cetera, but they are thinking of doing it, which will really increase inclusion and supplier diversity, you know, in our profession. So Julie, I want to speak to that for a minute. Um, without getting myself in trouble and naming any firm names, I'll just say that, I mean, I've worked with 123 firms in my lifetime, so I'm probably safe to say <laughs> just, when I was working with a firm, let's just say, um, I was helping with an RFP proposal, a response to an RFP. And um, the question, that question was on there. And first of all, this particular firm was horrified and shocked that they even got an RFP. But 
it's the world of the new procurement officer being on board at the clients that prompted that. Secondly, they were like, we don't even know what that means. What does diversity supplier, you know, supplier diversity mean? You know, we, what is the diversity makeup of our suppliers? Who are our suppliers? Like the people answering the RFP don't even understand the question, much less have the answer and are so afraid oftentimes to say, I don't know, which I think a client would rather say, you know, have the truth, even if it's, you know, um, we don't track that, or I'm not sure, or let me get back to you, or I can find that out later, than to make something up. Um, and I went head to head or toe to toe or fist to fist, whatever the phrase you choose, with this one particular lawyer who was on the proposal team who just wanted to make something up. And I was like, <sighs> aye, yeah. aye, aye. That is the problem. Um, this is why DNI has been to date in great part across this country, lipstick on a pig, where we have the pretty website, the glossy brochure, we send out a colorful pitch team, but who's making the money? Do we really know the numbers? Is that person um, even working on the case? Um, is the woman or are the other minorities actually getting the stretch assignments? Um, if we don't know who our suppliers are, how do we know their diversity numbers? And we dare not find that out in the face of this current landscape. Um, it's time. It is time. I'm so fired up about what you're doing. Um, and I have a lot of, you know, personal experience with seeing the other side of that. And clients are not going to just do as they're told anymore or accept what you say. They want to see the numbers. They want to see the proof. They want to see uh, a lot more I, let's just say. D&I is important, but we need to focus more on I. When I do what I do, instead of talking about um, doing an unconscious bias exercise, I like to call it, let's do a conscious inclusion exercise to try to really focus on the I more than we have been um, in the past many years. So thank you. Thank right. you for that. Yeah, but uh, so one of the things that's interesting is almost all major all major public corporations are actually required to to report those statistics in terms of what is the diversity of their supplier base. But because most law firms and accounting firms are, are private entities, they're not required to do so. But again, going to that inclusion piece that you just mentioned, including that and just tracking it isn't that hard to do and would really benefit both themselves as well as the suppliers as well as just their overall position in the market. So let's hope that that we get there one day. Yeah, I think you're making great strides and I think law firms are making great strides and the more progressive firms are already there. The businesses of law, as we like to call them, um, they get it. They get it. You can't just rest on your laurels saying I'm the smartest lawyer on the planet. So that's why they hire me and will continue to hire me even in the face of, um, this changing landscape. I mean, that's just unrealistic. So thank you for your hard work and your hard push. You're quite, you're quite the salesperson. You get people to sign stuff <laughs> with ease. Um, this is a great cause, but I think they also like who you are and trust you. So um, let me ask you, who has been a mentor to you? Oh my gosh, mentors. Okay, so I have so many. I, I mean, I really have just so many. I, I'm inspired. I'm a people person, so I'm inspired really by everybody I meet or come across. But I, you know, my basic foundation is my inspiration from I get from my parents, my grandparents, and my extended family. 
My grandmother, for example, she escaped Nazi control when she was very young with my six-year-old mother and her eight-year-old sister in tow. And when wow. she escaped, all she could bring, all she could bring with her is a sewing machine. And she used that to make a living enough to secure transportation to the United States. I mean, the strength that that must have taken and the obstacles that she had to have faced, it took years to get that done. It took her like three or four years to get out of there. I can't even imagine what she went through, nor can I ever truly understand it. But believe me, I'm inspired every day by her. (laughs) Talk about courage. Oh, my gosh. Right. You know, I believe, honestly, that women are strong. We are stronger than we're usually given credit for. Um, But that takes strength of a new, a whole new level, a whole new level, not just you know, it, it takes resilience. It takes, you know, resolve and constitution. Well, um, that's see, the way I look at it is because, because of the security, and I call it my Pollyanna life, that you all, the military families of this world, allow me to have. I will never, I, I cannot imagine it because I've never been threatened to that level. Where literally you've been thrown out of your home. You have to escape. You have nothing except a sewing machine. I, we cannot understand it because we are so spoiled. I mean, I'm so spoiled in this country to have the safety and security that I do because of your, you know, the military and the military families. Thank you for saying that. I'll try to um, prevent myself. I'll hold back. I'll resist on going to any political uh, talk on this show. Um, but let's just hope that we continue to feel that safe, considering the way the political landscape in this country is changing. Um, well, on another note, on another note, I have, I mean, I have to tell you, that I have been blessed to have grown up around some of the greatest people of all time. And it, it, it sounds like I'm not telling the truth, but I, I swear to God, I was lucky enough to be brought up around a man called, his name is Bo Schembechler, and he's actually a legendary football coach. Yeah, and I, I Bo Schembechler. Right, yeah. and I got to be around him and his family growing up, but I can't even tell you the number of priceless life lessons I learned from him, especially discipline, kindness, and commitment. I mean, he is just an incredible exemplary man. And similarly, my uncle Phil Crane was such an inspiration to me growing up. He he actually served in the U.S. Congress for 36 years and ran for president in 1980. Sadly, you know, he's deceased now. But the inspiration and the valuable lessons he taught me and how much he inspires me to this day, it's impossible for me to even summarize. I've That's just been so, so blessed to have wow. those kind of people in my life. Julie, where do you live right now? Like, where do you live? Where do you call home? Uh, Michigan. Michigan. And I know you have a lot of family. Is it out in Chicago or where is the rest of your family reside? Well, actually, all of us are here in the same town except my one brother who lives in Mexico. Oh, Mexico. Um, okay. My All my extended family, though, are everywhere. Like, my cousins live in North Carolina. Um Oh, and some of my cousins live in Ohio. I do have cousins in Chicago. We're Italians, so we have a lot of cousins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Italian too, and Jewish. So. And then, and then of course Maggie, my darling Maggie cousin, and her family are from Arizona. But now that their her parents moved to Tennessee, so we kind of get we're kind of everywhere. I love Maggie, by the way, folks. I oh. I happen to know um, the great Maggie. We call her Sweet Maggie. Um, but yeah, Julie, your family is uh, made up a lot. I know it's very, um, politically diverse, smart, intellectual. They're all very, um, you know, people out to change the world. Like a lot of people in your family, I've heard lots of great stories. So I didn't realize that you were all based out of Michigan. Um, so I need to get up there and, and visit. I've, I've only been there once. 
to Dearborn. Oh, no, we have great tickets to the Michigan games. We, But please, I'm going to really encourage you to only come during between um, May and October, just because the weather is inclement the rest of the year. <laughs> Wait, I, I don't think you need to twist my arm on that. <laughs> no problem there. Yeah, um, I lived in Boston. Okay, but I have to say... Go ahead. Uh, you're, you're invited anytime with arms open, so I can't Aww. wait to have you. But I have to tell you something, Susan. You asked me who my inspirations are, and I want to tell yeah. you in business, in my ever since I've met you, and I haven't only, I haven't known you that long. It's only been a couple of years, but I have to tell you how inspired I am by you, Susan Freeman. Oh, you, Susan, you have to just listen. <laughs> okay, listen, because you have this incredibly kind, giving, and generous nature. You've uplifted and supported so many people, and obviously many women, but there's so many of us in that you know, but I can only speak really for our legal profession who look up to you and admire you greatly. So you are an inspiration. As you know, I did my Spotlight on Diversity series on LinkedIn just because of your inspiration. So you're a huge inspiration to me and many others, and I want to thank you for that. Wow, that was totally unexpected. No one's ever said that. And honest to goodness, I'm super grateful. That is very meaningful. Um, it's the Mutual Admiration Society here, folks. Um, wow, thank you. I am not usually caught off guard. I'm a pretty good interviewer, but that means a lot to me. So um, I know you do a lot to lift women and you, um, you know, really do a lot to change the landscape so that we're seeing more equity in the workplace and, and especially in legal since that's your area of focus. But how on a day-to-day, -day, just, you know, let's just say I get up today, I want to do something to change the world, and, and, and how can I do that? How can I lift other women just, you know, one small step at a time? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, I'm just, I just make the effort with tiny things. Like just yesterday at the grocery store, a woman with two children was walking in. I held the door for her and got her cart for her. I mean, is that a big thing? Hardly. But it's just, you know, she has a much more of a burden than I do in terms of walking in and out of the grocery store. I mean, just smiling and holding a door gets people far. I mean, I know I personally, a couple people always come to me telling me when they're looking for a job, which is great, but lots of times I don't necessarily know an exact job, but what I try to do is pass them on and introduce them to somebody who might be able to help them. So I do that all the time. The thing that I really want, you know, women to do is all of us, I mean, so I'm speaking to myself too, is, to, is, work to be, is work to be more self-conscious and not be so quick to judge other people on their appearance or what they may have heard about them. I mean, I was I was at an event last week, and someone comes up to me and doesn't even say hi to me. They just flat out say, you look like a newscaster. And it was just kind of odd. <laughs> My point is, yeah, maybe I do, and maybe that's your opinion, but is that really how you want to start the conversation? Because it is a judgment on my looks, right? And we all do it, so I'm just mentioning it. I want um, to but say I do... something about the grocery store incident. It does, on mm -hmm. at first blush, you, you're diminishing it, saying, oh, is that a big deal? You know what? You know what makes that a big deal? It is a huge deal, Julie. Even though one might say the act of opening a grocery store door and pulling the cart over to a woman who had two kids in tow is at first blush no big deal, but it's a huge deal. You know why? Because it shows that you're aware. You're aware of others. You're not in your own bubble all the time, just focused on self, but you're aware of others, their feelings, their needs, their, you know, even in that small way, that gesture, that's huge. I mean, if more people would be aware of others' feelings and you acted and communicated in a way 
that can be said was um, with empathy. And I think we need to do that more. Uh, communicate, you know, listen with empathy and not judgment. Act and communicate with empathy uh, more often than we do. So that's a big deal that you're aware of others' needs. And I love that. Well, again, it goes back to who I was raised around. It's like, I mean, you, Bo Schembechler is one of the most famous, for sure, one of the most famous, he's passed away now, sadly, but by far was one of the most famous people in our town. And going to the grocery store with him, he would do the same thing. I mean, people, he literally is treated like a god, yet he's the one holding the door open for people and being super kind and humble, even though he's like a superstar of that the game that he coached. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm so. I used to keep track. Um, he was very humble, very le led oh. by example, led by example. So let oh. me ask you, it's not always easy. I know you make it look easy because you work so damn hard. I mean, you are, I don't know when you sleep and people say that about me. So for me to say that about someone else, wow, you are on it. Um, let me ask you though, it's not always been easy. So what has been maybe a challenge or setback and the lesson you learned from it or how did you overcome it? Um, whatever you'd like to share. Well, I mean, uh, I'm definitely, I've lived a while and I have, you know, I've had, I have a lot of challenges and setbacks. The worst for me personally, by far, this was on a personal level, really. I was a victim of several major violent crimes all in one hour period when I was overseas. Please don't wow. ask me questions about it, but I was lucky enough to live through it. I mean, it's, it took me years and years and years to get over it, and I still struggle with the resulting PTSD. How do I get out? How have I gotten over it? Thinking about my grandmother and what she went through, and how this is nothing compared to that. And I also think about like what your your husband or other military members might have gone through, what Matthew Snyder went through before he passed away, and how yes, it sucked to be a, a, a victim of those crimes, but. If they are strong enough and get through it, those are the people that I'm going to mimic and I'm also going to get through it. Now, interestingly, professionally, I've, I've, I've always had a challenge since I started my business. I've had it for 30 years, right? So that's a long time. But over those 30 years, there's been a ton of ups and downs and setbacks. I mean, some weeks are great, some months are great, some years are great, vice versa. Sometimes other years aren't that great. And people think it's easy to run a business. You know, they think, oh, I'm going to quit my job and run a business. Well, it takes so much time, so much work, so much effort, and constant sweat equity. I mean, there's, it's such a jealous mistress ha having your own business. So yeah. running a business is my greatest ongoing challenge. As you, I know you can completely relate to that, Susan. Totally. And, and let me ask your advice on something. Since I've only done this for a year and a half, and you've done it for 30, um, did you find it a struggle to... Um, so, so what we do as consultants varies depending on the client's need. It's not like a toaster off the shelf you sell for 19 bucks and you can demonstrate how bread turns from white to brown. It's much more difficult to, I think, price your services. Did you struggle with that in the beginning? I still struggle with it. It's, it pricing is part science and part art. So, you know, actually, well, let's go offline. I mean, I can send you some of the books I've, you know, I, oh, do I have those books? I don't think I do anymore. I had to, um, that book, I, I, I would, you know, what I recommend you do is go to the library, go to a bookstore and just sit down with a pad of paper and read some of the books on it and get some tips. That's what I did. The problem with the books that I read on it, Susan, they're like, you know, they're out of print probably. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. If we, and I don't know if we scanned them or not. But no, yeah, so I, I'm that big is, on it, Audible. I'm big on Kindle. I'm big on Amazon. So no worries. Yeah. So yeah. Well, tell us something surprising about you that maybe um, 
your best friend might not know, or maybe people who are in your family might not know. Just surprise us. Well, my family knows. Well, not my little brothers and sisters, but so I'm a world champion figure skater. How funny is this? And I won a gold medal in what's now called synchronized skating. Okay. It used to be called precision skating, but I was a member of the the world's very first precision skating team, which is now called synchronized skating a team of 32 gir- women or girls at the time, you know, we were in high school. Um, and we, they, they held the first ever international championship in this new sport, which was called precision skating at the time. And we won the gold medal. We came in first. So it's a surprising fact about me. And I mean, um, so, obviously that was you know, 40 years and 40 pounds ago, but nevertheless, I am a world champion figure skater as a member of a team. Well, look, first of all, my jaw was dropped. That's amazing. I think that's fascinating. We knew, I know now a few skaters in our world, in our small circle of friends. Um, that's pretty incredible. I would love to introduce you to um, a, a woman who's younger than I, and I consider myself sort of her mentor, and, and she's just starting out, but she too is a figure skater, and, I th- and she's in legal. She doesn't teach BD like you do or coach or train on BD like you do. She does operational efficiencies within the law firm setting. But I would love to introduce you so that she could have, you know, another mentor in the business. Please do. I'd love it. She would love your skating stories. I love your skating stories. And also rock on with your only gaining 40 pounds in 40 years. That's a one pound a year. That's not, Hey, I'm an overachiever. So I gained a whole lot more. I'll tell you though, that, that experience, like uh, so many of those girl women, well, now they're women, but are still my very best friends. It's unbelievable. I mean, what you have to do to be precise at skating while skating in a line is very hard. And so the discipline and the bonding that we engaged in was just quite significant. But yeah, that's kind of a fun, un- that's a fun and unknown fact about me. That's awesome. Very fun. Very fun. Well, it's going to be very known too now because I'm going to make sure. So if people want to reach you, um, how can they reach you? Well, you mentioned it. I mean, on social media, I get a lot of comments, you know, from people saying how they like the contents I put, especially on LinkedIn, just because it can be longer than on Twitter. But if people are interested in, you know, seeing informative and useful content, they could follow me on LinkedIn. And of course, you know, they could contact me at any time by phone or email. I think that's in the biography of what you're posting. So yeah, folks, in case you couldn't write all that down, or you're driving while you listen to this or whatever, you can go to my website, click on the blog cast section, and you'll see the podcast inserted into the blog. And at the bottom, I'll put all of Julie's contact information. Julie, thank you so much for being here. You're, you're, you make me laugh. You make me think. Um, sometimes you make me cry. Your stories can be sad too. So you're just terrific. And I'm so happy that you had um, time to take out of your busy schedule to spend with me. Well, I want to thank you again, Susan. And I want to encourage you to keep up the great work because you are highly valued in this world. You're very highly valued in my family for what you've done for Maggie you're very highly valued in our profession and I highly value you. So I hope you continue to do this excellent work that you're doing. And I really appreciate you including me. Oh, thank you. Everybody have a great day and thanks for tuning in.